Now presenting. And I'm so sick of people saying that that love is just all a woman is fit for. I'm so sick of it. The Cinema Chicks Podcast. Maybe I'm one of those people that has always wanted to do it, but it's like a pipe dream. Totally by guess. Snap out of it. Starring Hope Johansson. I'm not a poet. I'm just a woman. And Madeline Rancourt. Yeah, Call me Ladybird like Christine. you said you would. Hey, I'm Hope. Hey, I'm Madeline. And we are the Cinema Chicks. We are talking about today, I think, probably our favorite film of this year. Am, Am I, I speaking for you? And you are I... absolutely speaking for me. And this, I'm right? <laughs> you are absolutely right. It is now one of my favorite films ever. It's in my mm -hmm. top four on Letterboxd now. I know. Which is a very big deal for everyone who's on Letterboxd. You know, the top four is a very sacred <sighs> spot and this movie now holds a coveted place. Mm. We're talking today about The Worst Person in the World, which was nominated for some Academy Awards. Yes, it was. And I'm so thrilled because when the nominations came out, I was nervous because oh I saw gosh. a lot more international films than I have in the past this year because I went to the New York Film Festival, saw it a lot there. Um, and this was one film that I missed at the festival. And um, I'm forever sad about it but it's okay because now that I've seen it I'm like oh I really did miss out because everyone was like yes. oh you didn't see it at the like oh you didn't see that yesterday when I like went the next day and people were like oh like you got to see it when it comes out and I was like oh yeah, yeah, yeah like I will mm -hmm. I'm really sad that I missed it but it's okay because now I've seen it twice and I'm going to continue seeing it yes I Anyways. cannot wait to go see it in theaters again, again. if there are any friends fans out there in the new york area that need someone to go see it with them we will give go us a buzz. give we us will a buzz. Be there. we will be there exactly so i was nervous when the oscar nominations came out because i was like ah, i've seen so many films especially international films that deserve to be nominated this year i Absolutely. think i think i was more impressed by the international films this year than absolutely. the u.s releases absolutely so i was like oh here's the thing I know the Oscars won't favor that. So mm, I was nervous. But this film did get recognized, which I'm thrilled to see. I mean, I think it still could have gotten more. I would have loved to see our lead actress get nominated for Best Actress. I mean, she won Best Actress at Cannes. Exactly. So, so why not this? I'm upset. Why she it. no nominated for Oscar? I don't get it, but it's fine. It just <laughs> means Americans have no taste in well, the yeah. class. But whatever. <laughs> We've been new. Yeah, we exactly. We already knew that. Today, we're talking, as we said before, about The Worst Person in the World, which is directed by Joachim Trier and written by Joachim Trier and Iskobot. And it is starring Renata Reinsve, Anders Danielson Lee, and Herbert Nordrum. I am obsessed with all of the people we just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And Madeline and I actually got to see Joachim and Renata because we went to one of the first screenings of The Worst Person in the World in the U.S. Okay. at Angelica. And Joachim and Renata did a little Q&A after the film. And I could cry thinking about it. Oh my I... gosh, I could too. It was... The way my life shifted after that moment. <laughs> it, it was incredible. And as we mentioned earlier, we've seen the film twice already because mm -hmm. we got to 
see a digital screening thanks to the Hollywood Reporter. And after that screening, even watching it on my small television in my small apartment with the lights on, I was like, <laughs> this is a perfect movie. Then seeing that there was going to be a Q&A with Renata and Joachim, mm -hmm. I was like, Madeline, we have to go. We actually have to go. I think we bought tickets. We were we, we were like one of the first, first people to buy tickets. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and yeah, as we should. Yes. It ended up, I think, being so though yes it did and oh my god i think like obviously for us where we're going to school for acting and to make films there's nothing better than to hear the backstory and the creative side of it and i mean honestly like it makes me emotional just thinking about it because this was one of the most like down-to-earth creative teams I've ever heard speak on a project. Absolutely. And again, to your point of like, well, it's because it's not American. I agree. There's this interview that we just watched with Renata and Seth Meyers where she's just saying like Norway feels like they've done it finally because they have like a really great film out and they're getting recognition for making films and that's very rare and I feel like they just appreciate it for where they are. It's funny because when we look at international films it's almost as if they're all newbie fresh off the block newcomers but they're not like right. they all have a lengthy filmography and it's because like this is the first thing to hit the US and they're just so excited about it right. that it's like they know what they're talking about. They're not actually like fresh faces. Right. But it's they still have that energy. And oh, I just I just loved it. And the way that they talked about the film and their process and their rehearsals. And I mean, honestly, when I saw this, I was like, wait a minute, this wasn't written and directed by a female. I'm a little confused. Right. Initially, that was like a bit of a concern for me. Yeah, same. Going into it, I was like, mm, you guys know how the cinema chicks feel about men <laughs> speaking <laughs> for women. And just men, period. But especially after hearing Joachim talk about this movie afterward, how he wanted to complete his Oslo trilogy of films, mm -hmm. which his first two are from the male perspective. They have male protagonists and wanting to have a female protagonist. And he wrote this with his longtime film buddy. They've been friends for decades and are finally recognized for their work. And he just has such a great intuitive look on this character and this world that we're entering into with this film and he's just such a good guy in general um because you know I did get to speak to him out on the street afterwards I not to like brag or anything was losing it I was like the way that hope is talking to him right now, <laughs> um I tried to get photos and none of them do justice because I didn't want to be like, you know, paparazzi. Yeah, being like, oh my God, I got to get a photo of Hope and him talking. But it did happen. I was there and I witnessed it. And um, yeah, do you feel like your life has changed forever? My life has <laughs> absolutely been changed forever. He's the sweetest, most humble person. Because I told him, I was like, this is my second time I've seen this film already. And the way his eyes lit up and he was like, oh my gosh, really? Because the film's not out in the US yet. Like, mm -hmm. how, how could I have seen it twice and this is already like the preview right I was like and this is one of my favorite movies ever now so 
thank you for making this. And like, he looked like he was going to cry. It was just so lovely. And, you know, I did not drop the podcast to him, but I was like, you know, I'm also a filmmaker and it's just so inspirational to me. So thank you for your service. You're a fabulous dude. So Joachim, if you're out there listening to this, I'd like to thank you again. And, you know, didn't drop it earlier, but maybe we can work together someday <laughs> in the future. If you need another brunette to mm-hmm. like write a film for, I don't speak Norwegian, but you know, maybe if you get some acclaim for this film, cross over into English territory and I will literally do anything for you. So enough about me now. Let's talk about the worst person in the world, Julie, our our leading lady played by Renata. Literally the film starts and I was like, um, so I'm obsessed because it has such a raw, like not trying to be something, not trying to be fancy, just very European style. And this, like, I want to say like this, not like laid back, but she's just like cool. Like, oh, I know she's so supposed cool. to be, like, the worst person, but, like, everything she was wearing, I was like, so I'm actually obsessed. Just, like, this cool girl at this party, like, looking out. And, and trying to figure her life out. Exactly. You know, just standing there, smoking a cigarette, and beautiful <sighs> scenery, and then we get into her whole backstory, her whole little prologue. Oh, to preface, Mm. this film is, I guess, untraditionally structured in the fact that it's broken up into 12 chapters, Mm -hmm. a prologue and an epilogue, which in theory, it's like, you see, you know, prologue and then chapter one and you're like, oh my gosh, this film is gonna take forever to get through. And then suddenly it's the epilogue and you're like, where did the time go? I wanna spend more time with these people. Right, that was one thing that they talked about the Q&A is that they really wanted this film to be told in a way that it's like these significant moments that happen in Julie's life and in this you know time frame and a span and not have it be so linear right so they could omit periods of time years even Mm -hmm. or just passing minutes and I think it was a very smart structure right almost makes me want to like try my oh my god I love it because it's such a it's such an easier gateway into making a movie but it is so beautiful and I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything right and it works really well because otherwise if you do try and smush all of that together into like oh yeah this all happened to this character in one month it starts feeling like Grey's Anatomy yes where it's like really you had three plane crashes and a shooting in your hospital um really like (laughs) this this week yeah So I love it because I truly felt like, yeah, that makes sense that like, spoiler alert, she sort of has an affair, which they kind of question like, are we cheating? Which is a great scene. And she has all these moments and you also see like her relationship with this guy who writes this like dark comic, this kind of dirty comic about this cat. Yes. And her relationship with him totally shift. And I don't think they really put a timestamp on things. It's not like, oh, that was three months ago. Right. No. But also, so you don't really know like how long it's been. So when it does jump, it doesn't feel weird. But also if it doesn't jump, it doesn't feel weird. It just. Right. But we do get key markers of years mm-hmm. like Julie's 30th birthday happened. Right. And we know she 
gets into her relationship when she's in her late 20s because there's this whole issue about like, oh, we have such an age gap. We're at such different points in our lives. So I have to break up with you. And then she she leaves his apartment and the narrator goes, and in that moment, Julie knew she was in love with him. Mm-hmm. And then they move in together and it's adorable. And then, oh my gosh, I, I'm just gushing over this movie. I feel like you can hear it in my voice. Uh, no, it's literally same. And I think what makes me so excited is like, this is a film that already, like, watching it again, like, maybe less than a month after we first watched mm-hmm. it, I was excited to revisit it. And this is a film that I think I'm going to continue to be excited to revisit because of the story that it's telling and that it is somebody who's not having a midlife crisis. No, but she's also not our age. She's not, like, in her 20s. And, like, has that excuse of, fig- you know, like, oh, she's figuring stuff out because right. she's, you know, very young. And I have a friend who, she's 28, and I was talking to her about this film, and she was saying, like, she loves it because this is how she feels. And I think a lot of that gets pushed aside because of where our generation is versus how, like, our parents were. Yes. Like, at 30 years old, my mom had three kids. And, oh my. Oh my <laughs> but, like, that wasn't crazy no like my siblings and I are all like four years apart from each other and she had my sister when she was 23 and like at that point she had already been with my dad for like seven years or so wow so it's like well yeah my parent my mom was 15 when she met my dad so oh my gosh that's a whole nother can of worms to unpack well yeah but it's (laughs) but it's just like that is so different than how people are today yes and it's like I could not even you know I think imagine having a child in a year well right and that's the thing is like married my sister and her her boyfriend have been together for almost eight years and they're at the age where my mom already had a kid and they're not married and but they've been together for that long and I think it's just the way that our generation is and we realize like you don't have to rush into things and yes you know you want to be with that person but that doesn't mean you need to start your life now and I think that's a beautiful thing about this story is in the past it may seem like oh my god she's in her 30s and she doesn't have a shit figured out like shame on her like get your life together but it's not like that because she's still young and I'm just excited to revisit this like I feel like we're still at this point like closer to like ladybird's age than her age and growing up I loved watching those coming-of-age stories and I really really appreciate a coming-of-age story of someone who's a little bit older because that figuring yourself out doesn't end at high school or college no it never ends exactly it's continuous and And people joke at the midlife crisis of like oh my god you're figuring your shit out at 50 and it's like yeah, because that's real. Absolutely. And the the same thing happens as well with Julie's older boyfriend, Axel. He's in his late 40s and, you know, he has become a successful comic book artist and his comic is becoming a movie, which is being censored and almost made for children. So he's grappling with, like, what did I work my life for, which then also spirals very quickly into the what did I do all of my life because Mm -hmm. he gets cancer and dies. Spoiler Mm -hmm. alert. So that's another, he's still grappling with his identity and he's literally dying. And there's a beautiful scene between Julie and Axel when she's visiting him at the hospital and he, you know, has lost all of his hair from chemotherapy and he's sitting and he's like, you know, I just want to watch my favorite old movies Mm -hmm. and 
just hang out and they go and revisit all of his places from childhood where he grew up and she photographs him there and it's it's so fascinating that at, you know at any stage of your life you are still trying to figure it out which right. I don't think is talked about often enough in films and life in general mm -hmm. so this film was just a beautiful testament to humanity and knowing that nobody's a perfect person no, exactly. maybe that makes you the quote worst person in the world <laughs> or maybe it doesn't and it's just so lovely and so fun and yeah I don't, I don't know I'm very very obsessed with this I can't really like pinpoint a favorite part honestly I think my favorite part probably is when she kind of stops time to be with Ivan she's met him at this party and the whole night they're kind of I mean kind of they are being very flirty and kind of pushing boundaries of like, well, would this be considered cheating? And like, how can we be intimate with each other, but not cheat because they both are in relationships and not with each other. And she kind of stops time in a way. She flicks a light switch and people just stop in their tracks. And she runs across Oslo to Ivan and in his coffee shop. And they just kiss all over town and, and it's so beautiful oh it's so good and all of those extras frozen place for so long and it was so magical i truly could not believe that those were real people oh yeah no it was it was great and like also when well especially because i had been excited to see this film since september and you know i'm seeing the poster everywhere and that's where the poster picture comes from is like that scene and she's glowing and she's glowing and she's running and she's just happy and she's like has stopped time to go see this other person and it's interesting because it's like yeah it's called the worst person in the world but like we don't see her as a villain at least i she's, don't no she is not the worst person in the world but oh, oh my god speaking <laughs> um, so the movie is called The Worst Person in the World, right? And it's following Julie, who is supposedly the title character. So at the Q&A afterwards, mm -hmm. it's a fun little tidbit we're going to share. Fun story that still haunts my dreams. Boils my blood. I wanted to hit him, but it, okay. <laughs> Literally like three audience members got to ask a question. The mic gets handed off to this film bro. As the last person, As mind the you. last person. The last question, the which everyone's bro. like, we get to hear one more piece of like incredible wisdom. This question better be good. So this guy says, so how am I supposed to feel now? I don't really know Do I what like to her do with or this not? information. Are we supposed to like Julie or not? I was like, Joachim laughs, first of all. Yeah. Because what a ridiculous question. And he was like, you know, I like to make films for people that I think are my friends. We just haven't met yet. Oh, that was a perfect answer. Which was beautiful. I have it written down in my notes. Oh, good. Uh, that is my goal for my life now. Yeah. Thank you, Joachim. And he goes, it's not my job to tell you how to feel about her. That's the ball's in your court now. Make the decision for yourself. Yeah. And the film bro's like, oh, okay. I will. <laughs> you know what, film bro? You probably go to NYU. I don't even know. This movie was not for you. No, it wasn't. Just shut up and it go It was for home. us. It was for the girlies. <laughs> it was. And it's perfect in every way, shape, and form. It is funny. It is witty and sharp and smart and painful and emotional and i and it's want... like not trying to be anything like no. it's so raw and 
and timeless also. Which is why it's nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Exactly. And Point blank, period. The themes of it are forever going to be relevant and... I just, I want to rewatch it again. I'm ready to go back and see it again. So again, New York City film besties, if you're looking for a movie date night, you know where to reach us. And on that note, that's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed, you can rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Instagram at Cinemachicks and on TikTok at Cinemachicks. And if you want to be friends, you can follow me on Instagram at Madeline Daisy Rancor and on Letterboxd at Madeline Daisy. Or you can follow me on Instagram at Hope Johansson and on Letterboxd at HJoha, where I have given this a five-star review. Mm-hmm. I have liked it. And again, it is one of my top four films of all time now. And before we end today, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Stopping time to run through Oslo. Renata for being Dakota Johnson's doppelganger. And the worst person in the world for being the perfect movie in the world. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad we had that talk. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. 